Welcome to the Last Week in Denmark podcast. I'm your host, Wizzy Magnuson, and I'm here with founder of Last Week in Denmark, Narcissus, to discuss this week's news and offer you extra insight into what's been happening and how it could affect you. Now let's jump in. Welcome back to the microphone, Narcissus. So what's new in the world of Last Week in Denmark? And perhaps, first of all, how are you today? Well, you know, this has become quite of a exercise of being awake at uh, seven in the morning on uh, Sundays so that we can make this podcast happen. Uh, but I think with time, I'm getting more and more used to the idea that uh, Sunday mornings are not meant to be lying down in bed till mid afternoon. <laughs> 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 They are meant for us to create something cool like this, uh, like this podcast. So uh, yeah, that's how I am. I am in, uh, let's just say, mid sleep. I'm still awake, but not really. I'm a little bit, uh, my brain's a little bit overactive right now because since five o'clock this morning, I've been writing scientific papers and stuff. So, I mean, yeah, for me, waking up first thing in the morning is just what happens to me naturally. It's, it's the evenings that I can't cope with. So I tend to get as much work done in the first few hours of the morning, basically while everyone else is still sleeping. And then I have more leisure time later in the day. So that's how I work. Nice. It's nice. I mean, I heard that uh, successful people, right, they're able to wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning. Uh, and that's how they become so successful and billionaires, some of them, actually. So I tried it once. I actually tried once for an experiment. I For a couple, of, nah, maybe a week or two, I was waking up at 5 a.m. in the morning to see if I can get more work done. Uh, but I got so destroyed after two weeks of doing that. You have no idea. <laughs> well, that probably indicates that you're not actually a morning lark. So it's been proven that we are, are actually built individually to be morning larks or night owls. And there are benefits of both. Like it turns out, you know, when I was a teenager, I definitely thought I was a night owl. But as I've grown into vague representation of adulthood... I've become an earlier and earlier riser and now I love my routine of getting up first thing in the morning. But I think people that are night owls actually get quite a lot of stick. Like people think, you know, you can't get up in the morning, you know, you're lazy. It's actually got nothing to do with that. It's completely down to your circadian rhythm and the natural way your body functions in at its best points, you know. So I think with regard to that conversation, it's really about discovering when your brain works in its optimum functions and it depends on person to person what time of day that is yeah i mean that's right and for me it's making me angry that it's i'm a evening person because that means that at dinner sometimes i have to skip that um, i will not call it mandatory but you know glass of wine because <laughs> <laughs> so, if i want to work in the evening i cannot obviously have a glass of wine with dinner and that makes me so angry that uh, I'm not a morning person exactly because of that reason that I would like my evenings to be just to relax and enjoy myself but actually the evenings is when ideas come to my head and I have to sit down and work and that's that's annoying but anyway enough about our uh, <laughs> circadian rhythms routines, exactly <laughs> and new words that we learned today like circadian whatever that is <laughs> let's talk about last week in denmark and uh, last week in denmark well we had a break last weekend we well this weekend um we managed to relax a bit we didn't go anywhere this weekend but we will go again on the road on the next weekend on uh, sunday 3rd of december we are going to be in bilund in the morning so I hope to see a lot of you, especially some of you who are listening, who are working at Lego. I'm looking forward to meet you there. Uh, and uh, afternoon, we will be in Espia. 
So we will be quite, quite far away in the capital of energy, right, in, uh, in, in Denmark. I heard cool developments from there. You have an interesting international house down there. So I'm just, I'm, I'm really looking forward to see what SPI has to, has to offer. And also we will be, bef the day before on Saturday, we will be in Skive. There is a very large event happening at 11 o'clock Ski in Skive, actually in Durum, Durup. It's a, like a village next to Skive where the Romanian community is gathering for uh, for a large event. So uh, if any of you wants to experience what it means to what the Romanian culture is about, uh, you're welcome to come on 2nd of December in uh, in Skive. Well, Skive Comun, let's just be more clear. And if you want information about that, just write to, to us or uh, yeah, search around the newsletter later on. But yeah, that's the meetup events. This is kind of, the, we're getting closer to the end with that. Uh, anyone who wanted to have uh, some cool merchandise from us, like the, the, the cup, the metal cup that we have from last week in Denmark, the, the ceramic one, stickers, all sorts of really cool merchandise. All the people who have been uh, with us in different events so far, they got a chance to get some of those. So good for them. Uh, but if you still want some as well this year before Christmas, then I definitely recommend to you to join one of our last events uh, around Denmark. But that's uh, that's that's all with the events. Uh, I think uh, the last part, the, the next thing I would like to mention from last week in Denmark is that uh, we actually finished the survey, the one where we are asking people to complete and then they can be winners for a several laptops um, we will be announcing the lucky winners this week so we'll be calling them so did you participate Luisa I did actually um, you did. I think it's okay. I think it's the one that we're I think it's the one we're talking about yeah I, I spent quite a long time on my uh, on my survey um, okay. so I'm very hopeful and I've got actually got a bunch of stuff including a new MacBook uh, in my Apple basket right now I'm kind of waiting for some some funds to be released this month from my clients and then I'm going to press the buy button. But um, maybe I'll wait a few more days and see if there's any chance I won the survey. <laughs> it's a bit unfortunate we don't give Max uh, a surprise. It's usually, as far as I saw, it was some Microsoft Surface uh, Pro. Uh, some, um, yeah, but definitely was not, unfortunately, Max MacBooks. <laughs> Those are a bit expensive, <laughs> let's just say. Yes. <laughs> And how are the winners being selected of the survey? Uh, random. So literally, we will put all the numbers that we have, the phone numbers, into a random generator and then simply press the button. <laughs> so there's more than a thousand uh, people who... No, actually, not everyone wanted to participate uh, for the prize. So there's around 800 people, I think, who are in the in the race for, for winning. So you have a chance in 800, actually. The, the algorithm could be choosing you. So good luck. <laughs> we will see. So would you like to run us through some of the key highlights in the newsletter that's coming out today? Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, the first one I, I think that we could look at is the fact that the government decided together with like anonymous support from all the parliament parties to invest 2.3 billion in the justice system in the next three years. Um, you probably have heard the stories of how it can take three to four years for all sorts of cases to uh, to be processed. Uh, many companies will not even sue other companies because it just takes too long. 
so slowly, slowly, the there was a degradation of the of the justice system in Denmark. So now they decide to um, get more money, so more judges get hired, court lawyers, office clerks. So if you're looking for jobs in office, there'll be more jobs available in around courts around the country. Also, there will be new courtrooms built and they will update finally the IT system, which is very old. But I really, really hope it's not going to be a net company again because they are good at giving cheap prices, but also bad IT systems. So that's all I can hope <laughs> is to not see uh, to not see that that company get again win another tender call from the state. Uh, but what I think it's the most important part of this uh, justice reform is the fact that they have decided to simplify procedures so they can speed up case processing time. Because actually there was there was a situation where people got sued, but because it took so long, they never actually got in trouble or whatever because they never got to the chance to actually uh, see the judge or be be actually you know uh, the case to be audited and see what's happening. Um, so definitely now expect that things will happen faster. There is, of course, some uh, people like kind of criticizing it because they want to make it more difficult. So, for example, from now on, cases that are of value of under 100,000 kronas, uh, they will be considered small. So actually, you don't need a lawyer present. You can defend yourself if you want, but you don't you don't get a lawyer anymore. Uh, and also, if you want to appeal, so let's say you lose a case, in a civil uh, in a first court and you want to go to a higher court it needs to have at least 50,000 kronas uh, as, uh, in the middle otherwise there is no point for it to to go forward uh, and also be careful if you get a fine and you get called in front of the uh, judge you need to go because from now on it will be considered an admission of guilt if you miss it out so <laughs> I think that's quite an important, uh, quite important change. And they actually can give you up to one year of prison without you actually being present in the court. Before it was just six months, but now they decided to double it because way too many times they will organize a courtroom and the person who is supposed to be there doesn't show up. And then they have to reschedule and then they have to reschedule. Uh, and that's not great. for. And that costs a lot of money, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. Like, you know, so that makes sense. I mean... Yeah, that's. I think uh, it's it's good it's good stuff. Uh, I mean, in the end, we need a strong justice system uh, that it's it's working. Um, I mean, uh, especially I saw that uh, Danish industry and Dansk Evo they're very happy about it because they said way too many companies are afraid to take their suppliers or their competition to court or whatever because they simply takes too long. So it's uh, in, you may never actually get your case even processed you can read more on the on the newsletter if you're curious uh, and i think we can go to the next thing in there and it's mental health i know how you like a lot this subject and there is actually 400 million kronas being invested in 14 initiatives in 2024 and i think the most interesting one is that uh, they plan to establish an emergency phone line for people with mental health issues from early 2025 um that that's pretty cool so you'll not just have you know you, when you call one this obviously you have uh 112 uh which is for whatever but then you also have like this uh, number in every region where you can call and talk to a guard doctor someone who's on guard at any time in the weekend or in the night now they want to make that opportunity also for people with mental health issues so that they can talk with someone 
anytime in the night or in the weekend. And uh, I see that there is also a lot of focus on uh, on safety of the workers in mental health. A lot of people are a bit afraid to work in those institutions because of various cases that have happened lately. Uh, so they decide to to invest severely in in, in security uh, in the mental health institutions, and also they obviously focus on the young people that wait very long to get mental health treatment. They want to decrease the waiting time and make it somehow that they, it, they get processed faster. So I think that's that's kind of what's interesting. And I think the last part from here that's interesting is the Center for Digital Psychiatry, which is in south of Denmark. Uh, they're experimenting with uh, digital therapy and digital diagnosis. So that's interesting. They, if it's going to work well, I guess probably they're going to extend this to other regions of uh, of the country. It's certainly an interesting idea, Centre of Digital Psychiatry. I mean, there, I think there are risks. There are definitely high risks involved in um, giving therapies or giving psychiatric care and treatments and stuff through a screen. I, I don't know what you think. I, I, think, I think the reason why they look in digital psychiatry is because 80% of the cases are mild or uh, medium, let's just say, severity. So uh, a lot of them maybe have uh, depression or like um, anxiety or a mild anxiety. Uh, so th- a lot of the cases could be solved uh, faster with through a screen. Maybe a, pe- a person just needs someone to talk with. I guess if it's if it's in the spectrum of neurosis, not psychosis, then digital digital therapies might help. If you as soon as you start going into the realms of mental health and mental disorders that are on the psychotic range, you know, because neurosis is where sort of depression and everything is is found. Um, when it turns into psychosis, that's when the person loses touch with reality, and there's things like schizophrenia and schizoaffective disorder and hallucinations and, and paranoia and things like that. So once you're on that, once you're on that spectrum, it's quite severe, and I think digital therapies would not be so suitable. So most people are not that severely affected, so they could get digital psychiatry. Um, they could get a diagnosis over conversation and so on. So uh, it's 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 easy. Maybe you know you have a first time a digital uh, talk, and then then you realize, oh wow, okay, this person needs more help, and then you obviously give them a permit to to come to a mental health institution. Um, so yeah, but it's it's a uh, it's definitely steps in the right direction. Uh, mental health used to not even be mentioned a couple of years ago in the in the yearly budget. Uh, and now it has become quite quite important and quite focused. And this 400 million is just for next year. They're planning to have a 10 years plan and they're planning to invest even larger amounts in the following years. So we will definitely see uh, improvements on this area. But of course, in the same time, the number of people with mental health issues increases, unfortunately, year by year. But uh, enough about mental health. Let's go a bit down and uh, tell you about the stamp clock. Have you ever, do you remember in movies, because I guess it must be just in movies, when you were uh, seeing someone coming to the factory, they will just have to uh, stamp their like a certificate or something. And then when they will go out, they'll have to stamp again that piece of paper. Yeah, yeah. Can you, can you? Yeah, can you... clocking in and clocking out. Yeah. Exactly, clocking in, clocking out. Well, now uh, Denmark is planning to soon, uh, I think in July 2024, so next year, well, not soon, a couple of months, uh, they want to make a digital stamp clock. So if you have a company 
uh, or people work for a company, so either you're a one-man company or you work for another company, you need to stamp every time you actually work so that they so it's more accurate uh, for them to see uh, when if you take enough rest and how many hours you actually work and so on. So for example, if you work for a company and you decide to answer a mail after working hours, you need to clock in and when you before you start writing the mail and clock out when you finish that mail. And also when you make phone calls, uh, let's say your boss calls you at seven in the evening, you should remember to go quickly to that app. You clock in before the phone call, you answer the phone call, and then you clock out when after the phone call has finished. It feels like an added step, to be honest, but uh, I don't know. What do you think about it? Yeah, I don't like the idea of sort of employers spying on their employees, but if it's from the point of view of of clocking all the actual work the employees do so that they get paid appropriately, then I like it. <laughs> what about this uh, one-man company? Because you do have one. So basically now you'll have to also clock in, clock out for yourself. Yeah, I mean, do I have to do it as a self-employed? Surely it's my boss's decision and I am my boss. Exactly. So it's it's up to you to, to do it. Uh, so I guess you can just, you know... But, I mean, it depends because if you want to be more accurate in how much you actually work yourself... Because it, it's still it's still a digital stamp, so it's still like an online thing, like an app. That does sound quite useful, actually, because then if I'm having a bad day and I feel like I've had a useless week, I can look at my clock stamp, you know, and be like, oh, actually, I've clocked up 50 hours and it's only Thursday, so it's fine. So it would be useful for me, actually, because so exactly. at the moment I log exactly. when I'm doing a, an hourly paid a project based on an hourly fee. I obviously clock all the time it takes for that client. And then I charge them, charge them wow. by how many hours it's taken in total, you know, and that's the way that works. But if I'm doing fixed quotes, because I also offer fixed project quotes for large projects, if um, the client's perhaps concerned about how much time it will take, I'll work out roughly how much time it will take and then I'll give them a fixed fee and then it doesn't matter how many hours it takes. But again, for the for accuracy, mm. it would also be useful for me with fixed project quotes to work at how many hours it did actually take me, you know, because then I can be more, I can charge more appropriately the next time a project like that comes along. So, yeah, I think it's useful. Exactly. There, There is pluses and minuses. I think the minus will be that obviously it's an added step. People just don't like to extra work. <laughs> it's still a work, you know, it adds those five seconds or I don't know, 30 seconds that it takes to press uh, the stamp still takes 30 seconds and you still have to open the damn app and press 30 seconds and then press again uh, when you when you finish. So you need to remember it literally. So it's just basically us getting used to the idea of, of doing it. Although I already see, I was reading online that uh, like the several big leaders like of big companies, they will say that they will find a way around it. <laughs> so well, the, the problem is the more modern, sort of more agile and flexible companies tend to work on an output base, productivity base, not hour yes. base. So if you've, it's going to be very difficult for agile people that are built in an agile way, you know, agile and, and flexible working. I don't mean agile as in the um, IT agile. I mean agile as in the working style agile, which was kind of taken from that but has been changed. But anyway... The, yeah, the worry is that if you are working for somebody and they pay you per project or they pay, they pay you based on your KPIs and how much you actually produce in a month, they could end up having to pay you even if you've produced nothing because you've done your 40 hours or 35 hours or whatever. So I think there could be a little bit of uh, friction there and it's almost, it could be seen as a bit of a backward step, this um, timing everything business when it's actually not the most 
effective way of, of measuring value it's it's more in how much gets achieved in that time you know and people that get work done faster and produce more are actually going to be not as it's not going to benefit them as much as kind of people that don't get as much done in the same amount of time because they're going to be paid the same amount of money even though one has produced twice the amount as the other do you see what i'm saying so yeah, those are the issues that i can foresee it almost penalizes those that get their work done very efficiently because it takes them less time if you're going to base the salary on the amount of hours that are done if that is the case you know so i don't i don't i don't think you can do that to be honest because most of the people have still fixed uh they don't really have per hour only the people who work part-time actually have per hour salaries most of the people have monthly salaries like with a fixed pay so it doesn't matter if you work 100 hours or 20 hours you still get the same money uh, in the end Mm. Uh, and it's just between you and your employee to decide if it's important that you are there 37 hours at least or if it's important that you have finished this output la 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 uh, so that's why i think uh, in some cases they will just do it it will not be accurate i think people will still cheat the system and if they will just put it at 8 in the morning regardless if they work or not end it at 4 30 and then that's just how it is regardless if they work two hours later or it will be very hard to enforce that's what i'm trying to say i suppose that's when um basing success on productivity will, will come in alongside along with it because if you clock in this amount of hours this month and the same amount the next month but you've produced half the amount of work on one of the months it could be something that the employer looks into you know well how effective were these hours why are you why are you not so good this month? It, it could be could be quite good at monitoring output data, you know, and also the health of the employee. Mm, statistics. Yeah, that, that it is interesting. And in the end, the, the whole purpose of the law was to see if people actually take rest during the day because, you know, it's encouraged that you take five minutes every hour uh, as a rest uh, and also that you have that half an hour in between uh, large swathes of work. So... Uh, it's, it's it was more for them to see if they're done if they're actually doing that but because if you stop working and you go out for a coffee break you should stamp out and then if you come back to the desk you should stamp in again i think there will be systems done that this is done automatically so every time basically you close your laptop let's say it automatically stamps out and then when you open laptop it stamps in i'm pretty sure there'll be innovation on the field to make it as seamlessly as possible so it, it should be interesting. I, I think the data will definitely show more about work uh, environment uh, quality and whatnot. But um, let's move on to the further down the newsletter and um, ask you, uh, Luisa, how much do you ever dream to make per month? What, what's your top? How much would you be happy with per month? It would be really easy if I just answered with a figure. But I can't answer with a figure because instantly I'm thinking, well, if I earn over the tax bracket i'm in at the moment um <laughs> then i'm gonna lose even more of it so it would have to be an awful lot more to make it worth paying the extra tax to earn more do you see what i mean well i just wanted to say if you were planning to make at least 179,500 kronas per month then you could call yourself part of the one percenters in the month. okay yeah that, that's that's how much that's not takes. me <laughs> <laughs> so you don't dream one day to be part of the one percent it's not that much right 179,500 kronas per per month it's it's half of what people will make in six months in normal people in denmark 
basically. And it's just it's just over half what I need to make in a year to be eligible for permanent residency at the same time my <laughs> husband is eligible because I'm self-employed. So I've discovered that you have to make 300,000 DKs in the year, um, gross profits, that's gross profit, in order to be eligible. So I've been laboring under the sweet illusion that uh, once I've learned up to level five Danish and I can pass the cultural exam and I've been here four years, I'll be able to get permanent residency. It's actually a bit more complicated than that because I work for myself. There's a financial oh. um, sort of tick box and I have to make that much profit um, in a year. So... Yeah, I mean, if I could do that for two months, just one year, the year I go for permanent residency, that would be great. And I'll call myself top 1% for a month, get my permanent residency, then go back to earning a normal amount of money. <laughs> but at least when you'll be the top 1%, you'll be you'll have to live in style, right? You'll have to, you know, get friends who have yachts and you'll have to properly go only to fine dining restaurants. I mean, talking about rich people and everything, I mean, it's it's a bit problematic and I think there will be a big conflict coming up soon between poor and rich because uh, the rich are, instead of uh, reducing their CO2 emissions, if we're talking about climate change, they're actually increasing them in the past decades, uh, which makes sense because the more money they have, the more they spend and all logically everything you buy has a climate footprint. So uh, if you look at it, the world richest 1%, the 77 million people, they produce 16% of the total global emissions uh, in a year. And they produce just as many emissions as the poorest 66%. So imagine 77 million people produce just as much CO2 emissions as 5 billion poor people. On this note, I actually did an interesting interview with a, another show I do on the radio on a station in the UK. A chap who I knew at college called Ben Avis has started um, TRIA, which is a sustainability-pegged rewards platform. They have, they're paired with a bunch of fashion brands, including Gantt, Fila, Allbirds and Naked. And basically, they pay you back for making sustainable, environmentally friendly purchasing choices. It's really cool. So he came up with this idea to pay people back to make the conscious, the sustainable decision, you know, when it comes to purchasing. So what they do is they publish the um, carbon emissions and stuff like that. All this data is available in big companies. And what they do is they gather all that data and they give them a kind of score and say, yes, these guys are really green. And they give you more money back the more green the company is. So it's, a, it's an incentive to get people to buy more sustainably and, and help climate change from that point of view because the fashion industry is responsible for, I don't know what the, the uh, figures are, but a huge amount of CO2 emissions. That's clearly, and it would be cool actually to have this uh, involved in, in everything. So I think what would be really nice is to create some sort of calculator. So when I go to the supermarket or anywhere and they give me my uh, receipt, uh, it should be written on my receipt how much CO2 emissions I have created uh, then. And maybe we can even have like a, a personal calculator. So if I pass a certain number of CO2 emissions, I should be taxed more, uh, pay a special climate tax. So you wanna re live like a king? You have to pay to live like a king. Uh, it's pretty much simple because I feel like we are sharing the same space with the rich people, but they are not as concerned as we are. Uh, and I think they need to be made more concerned. 
and and if they if they have to pay more to enjoy the luxuries well that's just how it is i mean for them it doesn't matter anymore i think it's no difference if you pay eight hundred thousand dollars or one million dollars for that damn bag um if i don't think for them will make a difference the two hundred thousand extra which could go for a climate uh, tax uh, so that's why my idea was that if you want to enjoy a luxury lifestyle or if you want to, if you sp- spend too much, literally, uh, there should be like a limit. If you crossed over 100,000 kronas per per month in spending, then everything else further on will, will have a climate tax added on top. That's a really good app idea. Yeah, I like that. Let us know if you want to build this app and we will not finance it because we have no money, but uh, we'll uh, we'll jump on board and steal your idea and pawn it off as a last week in Denmark app. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure people have thought of this idea. It's in no way a new idea, uh, but I'm pretty sure it's difficult right now to create. Uh, but with the AI revolution and everything, I think new opportunities come in that direction. And talking about AI and, uh, well, yeah, uh, technology. Um, the European Parliament has adopted a new right. Uh, it's called the right to repair, which is pretty cool because uh, most people actually don't really want to throw away their old technology. They would like to repair it, but it's it's usually not worth it, or it's cheaper to actually buy something new than to actually repair, like it used to be. So um, now the if well now it's passed in the parliament in the European Parliament, but it's not yet a, a right. There it has to be also agreed in the council with uh, uh, leaders of each EU member state, and agreed in the in the national parliaments. And after that is passed, then we can say we have an EU right to repair, and that would be quite cool because um, for example, when you will be buying something from an online platform. They will have to tell you where where can you, where can you find uh, local repairers, and you actually uh, should be offered incentives to repair your products instead of uh, replacing them with new ones. Um, you should uh, get free access to how to repair. They have to do how to do it yourself, repair and maintenance information for your devices. Um, they will have to um, consumers will have the right to request repairs. Uh, so if you sell washing machines, vacuum cleaners, smartphones, whatnot, uh, the cost consumers will still have the right to request repairs after the guarantee has expired. Mm, I like this. This is really cool. I have so many devices. I never throw tech away. So since I was like, I don't know, 15, I've had Apple products. I still have most of those Apple products, which don't work. I, and I have to replace them because with my last machine that was my workhorse, which I've been using for I don't know eight years um every day recording an awful lot of audio on and editing and stuff um that break and to get it repaired was more than half of the money it was costing to replace it so it just seemed ridiculous and they couldn't even guarantee it was possible so I was like right okay so I have to replace this machine but it's still a very nice looking laptop which I'm sure someone could repair or refurb and if there was an incentive for me to even give it someone give it to someone to refurb it the trouble with apple and places like that is they won't take machines that are older than a certain few years ago old you know so like none of my tech was was um eligible to trade in for my new mac that i'm buying soon none of it is eligible even though i've got like six devices i could trade in they're all more than six or seven years old so yeah no that, that sucks and i really hope that the national governments will not try to water down this legislation uh, and leave it the way it is because if it happens then it will be a new business opportunity for a lot of people a lot of people are good at uh, fixing technology refurbishing it 
and that will just open up the market for repair shops. Remember how in the past they used to have shoe repair shop, clothes repair shop, uh, well, uh, electronics repair shop. Those all died out, right? They they all completely got wiped out in the in the past decades. Uh, they could come back. This uh, this is a new opportunity, a new small business uh, space. Uh, for some people to create their own job and I'm looking really really forward uh, to, to this uh, if it goes well we should have it by next summer but uh, we should have it in, in place so uh, people who are very good with their hands and they like repairing stuff there's a business opportunity on the way for you so finally Narshis would you like to just give us a little summary of political news this week before we sign off absolutely I mean what's interesting is uh, the government has changed uh, ministers because you know Venstre lost their leader who decided to retire from politics and they got a new leader recently Troel Slund Paulson and he decided to show uh, both his partners in the government and his own party that he is tough so uh, he decided to change some people from the ministerial team even though they barely got appointed less than a year ago uh, he already switched out two people who are not necessarily from his faction within the party to put two people, one person, two people from his faction plus one outsider. Um, there is this Stephanie Lose. She got appointed as the Minister of Economy. Uh, she was the president of the South Denmark uh, region and the vice leader of uh, of Fenstre, the Liberal Party in Denmark. She's, she became now one of the most powerful uh, people in Denmark. Then you have Morten Dahlin. He is now the new minister of rural areas, churches and Nordic cooperation. The minister itself has been rebranded as cities and rural areas because they want to show that Fenstre is not just a rural agricultural party anymore. They want to get voters in the cities as well. So that's why they decided to rebrand uh, the name of the of the ministry. Uh, he is basically a, a party soldier. He has been in the party since he was 15, 16. He has grew up through the ranks and that's how he became minister in his 30s now. And then the most interesting appointment is the Minister of Digitalization and Equality. Uh, if you ever watched uh, Lovenshule or this Lion's Den or Shark Tank, as some people call it. Do you mean Dragon's Den? Yeah, well, Dragon's Den. There's several names for it around the world. Uh, there is there is a Danish version of it, obviously. Uh, if it's really cool, you should definitely watch it it's on DR. Um, there is this one investor called Mia Wagner, and she became now the new minister of digitalization equality. The reason why she got appointed is because Venstre right now is on the way down. Like they have lost so so many voters, so they really need some popular people because it has been shown that their ministers are very much unknown like uh the two ministers who got sucked they less than 40 percent of the people in denmark knew who they were uh and that's that's very little when you are the minister of uh, of the country so that's that was problematic for venster and that's why i decided to take a very popular person i mean she's on tv every week um to to make sure that to bring some new voters it's not first time they are doing this they did that in the past with another investor from the same show, <laughs> Tommy Allers, uh, in the same way to try to bring some uh, some more voters to to the party. Um, and another thing that will be interesting to mention is that this is the, not the last reshuffle of the government. Uh, there will be most likely another reshuffle of the government in the summer, because uh, in 9th of June we're going to have EU elections and we will have... Uh, a new EU commissioner and uh, a minister for EU, EU, 
uh, and then that means that uh, some some of the ministers are running for European Parliament, so they will be maybe elected, uh, and that's why there will be a reshuffle of the people that are in the in the in the in the minister positions, and most likely the 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 government itself will try to strengthen its position because right now they depend by one person. So if that person is missing, they are in trouble. Um, because it seems that uh, Moderaterne, the Social Liberal Party, uh, <laughs> they have a bit of problems with their people they brought on. Uh, most recently, one of their uh, members of the parliament had to leave the party because he is dating a 15-year-old girl, which is a bit strange, uh, <laughs> just to say the least. You could say that, yeah. You could say a, a bit strange. Um, I mean, in England, that's entirely illegal. <laughs> is it not illegal here? No, no, it's not illegal here, but it's, well, it's it's against the party code of contact because, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's weird. It's not illegal, definitely not illegal, but it's just weird. That's why he's not going to prison, for example. He's just going to continue as an independent in the parliament. He's 20 year old uh, for him, and which is I'm finding amazing that a 20 year old is elected in the Danish parliament. 28, isn't he? Yeah, 28. He's younger than us. <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't, don't tell the listeners that <laughs> <laughs> you know some more. and it's it's quite funny that that the the government got saved now by another independent which also left moderator also because of his let's just say messages that he wrote to a 19 year old this time from the youth section of the party but those were unwanted messages unlike this time uh so that's why he also got kicked out of the party but now the same guy he signed an agreement with the par- with the, the government to keep the government, uh, you know, uh, in in majority, uh, which is it's it's quite it's quite funny how they go from one uh, person to depend on another. But anyway, in case things don't go right, uh, Radikele Venstre, the OG of the social liberals in Denmark, uh, they are ready to join the government coalition. Obviously, in exchange for some minister positions, they got they got hungry. Uh, and they're ready to join the, the government uh, because they made a mistake. They were invited a year, less than a year ago to join the government. They said no in the middle of the negotiations. And obviously they lost out. People, their own voters got a bit angry that they did, chose to be outside of power. Uh, and, and now they're ready to join. So they could be strengthening the, the government majority because as you can see, when you get a new party like Moderatum, which has less than two years, no tradition whatsoever, a lot of people that let's just say, don't really belong to the political class, got elected in the Danish parliament. Uh, and it was it was Moderaterne who had a lot of cases with their own candidates and their own elected ones with whatever. Some of them got found that uh, they were doing fraud with public money. Some of them were found from their previous uh, activities, not necessarily when they got elected, but from the previous activities, once you become a public person, remember, if any of you dreams to do so, the media will start digging, digging, digging. So if you have done anything stupid in the last 20 years and you're planning to become a public person, you have to own it because they will find it. (laughs) It's definitely time to get a PR crisis team in the office to discuss all of your previous misendeavors um, and uh, work out how to basically spin them, apologize for them and make them not able to hurt you anymore. Pretty much, yeah. That was that was it for politics this week, and I think that was the most important thing. That is also it for this podcast today. It's been a longer episode than usual. I hope you found this episode 
informative, interesting, and of value. Narcissus, lovely to see you. Have you enjoyed our session this morning? Yes, it was it was nice. I, I really re- feel refreshed now and ready to start my Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to stop work in the next couple of hours. I'm going to produce this, get it up, and then I get to have the rest of the day off. Goodness. So that's nice. We'll be back next week on your favourite podcast platform. Just search Last Week in Denmark. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye for now. Thank you.